Okay, greetings. Welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect from a movie or TV show. For my Pops Collection, I'm Ron Tweedy. Joining me is Pops. And today we're talking about the film 300. Uh, yes. Hello, everybody. Glad you're with us. Uh, get your coffee or get on your exercise bike or treadmill or whatever you want to do while you're listening. Yep. And uh, join us for a stimulating conversation. Yep. So, uh, 300, another yep. Frank Miller, our second Frank Miller that we, and depending on how this goes, we'll think about Sin City. Is that what your thought yeah. is? Although technically we also did the, I would say Daredevil season one is very much Daredevil, the man without fear, which was also written by Frank Miller and uh, John Romita was the, or John Romita Jr. was the uh, illustrator for that one. So technically we might've done, and obviously there's lots of other elements from the Tim Burton Batman movie that were borrowed from. Um, That's true. So. That's true. Anyway. Um, yeah, this was definitely, um, I just, I reflected on our, um, show our podcast about Conan the Barbarian. Okay. Yep. And how you had made a comment about because of the, the way they shot the movie mm -hmm. that uh, it made the characters more believable. Okay. Um, you know um, that you could see them as being real characters uh, with this story even though it was influenced by uh, the 300 Spartans, a movie that Frank Miller saw when he was a young kid, like six years old or whatever it was. Right. Um, there was really a uh, battle of Thermopylae, you know? Yes. Uh, and it did involve some Spartans. Yes. Uh, however, it was it was definitely different, right? Uh, in the the real story base, I guess it would depend on uh, which historian that you believed at the time, right? Because there were some that said that the uh, Xerxes army was a million soldiers. There's others that said it was a hundred thousand. Some right. said. 150,000. Um, and actually, there was at one time in the real battle, there was 300. Yes. But didn't start out that way. Right. You know, so, but in this case, I thought that just like any story being told, like that thing where you're supposed to whisper something to somebody. And by the time it gets to the last person, it's totally different. You know, I forget what they call that, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? You're, you're talking about telephone. Uh, I think it's a little bit different. Ancient historians would probably not say it's like that. It's probably a little bit different. Um, you know, the way you do historiography is a little bit uh, closer to, you know, looking at what are the available manuscripts, who are the authors, what is their other work like, is there a way we can corroborate their stories? They, 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 there's a lot that goes into it. And so instead of it being like telephone, it's more like, okay, um, 
you know, is there a group of people? Are they, what, how, what is their, and the other part is that it's not like uh, historic, you know, um, history is just, it's not like it's a, uh, what we expect it is today where you have like somebody writing a textbook and said, this event happened on this date or whatever. It, it was more, it was certainly more of a, a narrative uh, format. Right. Kind of like uh, a lot of the noir Mm -hmm. uh, movies. Sure. Uh, we're getting told a story yeah. in a certain way. Um, so um, this is actually how this story is being told by a yeah. character called Dilios. Right. It's a story within a story. Yes. A story within a story. Yep. Um, what I really thought was neat about this, it is one of our favorite directors. Yeah. Uh, Zack Snyder. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It is Zack Snyder. Yep. And uh, he also co-wrote, even though they had Frank Miller as a consultant, uh, he did embellish some of the graph. The, actually, yeah. they were comic books from uh, 1998. Yeah. Dark Horse is the yes. uh, uh, publisher. Yep. Yes. Um, so it was a, really a series of comics. Mm -hmm. It actually did really good at the box office too. Right. Uh, it was a $65 million picture with a $456 million box office. So yeah. it did pretty good. March 9th, 2007 was the US release. It got released uh, earlier mm -hmm. at uh, some, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember, but num, it was some kind of a, uh, movie uh thing that they had had in texas where you sat through movies for 24 hours straight mm. uh i forget who put it on but i remember reading about it uh okay it was definitely interesting and what i really liked uh about Zack snyder and what he did with it yeah is he chose to do uh something that was uh pretty original he used this type of film process uh where he superimposed a picture on top of another picture yep. on top of another picture and you could see like all three it was almost like a 3d thing mm -hmm. uh, but he used the comics right as his storyboard yep so he would take a picture and then we would know like one that uh, totally hit me specifically was when they marched and they got to the tree mm -hmm. and all those uh, people were, you know, on the tree. Yeah. Uh, that was like right out of the book, you know? Right. And it was like, oh, yeah. And then you would see something else and you would say, oh, yes, mm -hmm. that was definitely yeah. there. So it was, I thought it was good. Very good. Um, I think mostly are because of the violence. Oh, certainly. I mean, there was some nudity in there. Right. Um, and, you know, I felt that the story itself with the politicians and the corruption mm -hmm. and all that stuff, I think that was more, I don't, I would assume that there might have been something like that happening back in those times, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it would be as prevalent as it is today. 
you know, what do you think? Uh, no, I think I'm trying to, somebody once said that, um, you know, the times change, but the battles remain the same. And so I, I think that's very true. So yeah, absolutely. The political side of things, I think that's definitely very, and, and you look at some of the histories, particularly with Rome, I'm thinking of, you know, there were a lot of political shenanigans going on all the time there. You know, even prior to the, you know, um, prior to Caesar, it was still lots of things like that, backstabbing and whatnot. Um, so um, yeah, I think that that's different. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the style, and I do think that that's something that has. It, it's difficult because it's been so um, parodied since then, and kind of like it's become a meme, and almost like a, a, a the hyper stylized uh, uh, aesthetic, the um, you know super stylistic, the you know flash of slow motion and stuff like that. You know, it's been definitely parodied a lot. And so it's almost like you have to remember, hey, this was the first film that really did that in this way to really, you know, mimic the feel of the comic. Right. And it's, he tried to stay true to that. Yeah, I agree. You know, and he wanted that to, you know, be that flavor the mm -hmm. whole way around. Yeah. Uh, at that time, there were a couple other uh, people that were attempting to do a similar movie to 300. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, just got handled the way that it did, you know. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was an excellent movie. Uh, I appreciate the, the storyline. Right. Um, not so much those subplots uh, that were not in the original comics, you know, like his wife, um, you know, trying to... Uh, get support for him, you know, and that little mm -hmm. thing uh, that they had with the uh, governing body or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And also the corruption with the uh, mystics or whatever. What did they call them? I can't remember. the. Um, uh, yeah. So you had the, um, uh, the ethos maybe, and then you had the, the Oracle that they had to consult, right? Right. The Oracle, which was, uh, the, according to them, a virgin that was supposed to be for their pleasure. Right. right. So uh, that was that was kind of weird. That was yeah. off of the wall. But then right after that and after uh, they told him, Leonidas, that he couldn't go to war, mm -hmm. um, they were getting money from Xerxes. Right. You know, so it's like, uh, okay, that's not really what the Oracle was saying, maybe, or, you it's know. It's possible. But what I, what I read through this story was that uh, Leonidas was a king. Right. And he believed in his people and the freedom of his people so much so that uh he was respectful to the religion, mm -hmm. but he was not going to, he was going to fight for his people. Right. Uh, during up to the storyline. That's pretty much what I read that this, or I felt that the storyline was about. Mm -hmm. 
because um, let's face it, uh, it gets to a point where it's just violence, you know, mm-hmm. for a large portion of the movie. Right. You know, so I'm thinking that's probably why Snyder put in the other little subplot stories, you know, probably to not get totally, totally off to just a graphic violent tant, you know? Well, I think you have to tell a story that, I mean, you have to understand his motivation, right? I think that's, that's kind of the idea behind it. Obviously, you know, when the movie opens up and you have the emissary coming from, from Xerxes, you know, saying basically coming in there, threatening them, you know, in a very uh, non-direct way and him not taking too well to that. And then, you know, what happens to the uh, messenger and all the people that he wrote in with um, that was, uh, you know, that, that scene <laughs> is, you know, forever, I think, and buried in, po- burned in popular culture's memory, you know, this is Sparta, then the, the kick and everything. Yeah, yes. So, um, yeah. So, so I think that it, it, and as, as was the custom then, you know, you definitely, as a king, you had to consult with the religious authorities on what to do because they knew what the gods were going to do because the gods controlled the different aspects of the, um, of the world. And if you do something out of their favor, not, things will not go well for you. And so that was the idea is that uh, because of the uh, season, uh, there was a festival coming up and, and, the, and it, they wanted him to stay home to celebrate the festival uh, to honor the gods. But instead, Leonidas thought that um, if there's no Spartan culture left to celebrate the gods, then what good is that? Right. So I could see that as being his motivational point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt, too, that when Xerxes... Um, what it, messengers, yeah, I guess you would call them. Right. Uh, when they talked to King Leonidas, they disrespected his wife. Right. Uh, first of all, and secondly, uh, they threatened their freedom by saying that you need to be submissive, uh, and they called Xerxes the god king. Right. So with their beliefs what they were and they wanted them to be submissive to a different god yep right so yep it would kind of make sense to me that uh you know we live in a country where we're free to worship any which way we want but in this case that wasn't going to be the case right they wanted them to uh, sub be submissive to Xerxes as God. Right. I, I, I think you need to make the distinction. It's not necessarily that, Hey, you need to throw away the old gods and embrace the new one. It was, you keep doing what you're doing. You just have to, you know, give your pinch of incense to Xerxes and you're good to go. That's what they uh, were saying. You think so? Yeah. Because okay. if you, if you cause, so this, this is, I think really the, one of the crux of the movies is that, Three times Leonidas approached two of them by people under the authority of Xerxes and one time Xerxes himself. Correct. Yes. Off- offering him 
you know, you're going to be warlord of Greece. You're going to be in charge here. I'm going to give you everything. You just have to bow down to me and worship me. Right. He didn't say you had to stop worshiping the old gods. He just said, you just need to put me in the mix, you know, and he couldn't do it, you know. Right. Is that kind of like a Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? Yeah, I think kind it's, a, of? it's a, well, you know, actually, I, it reminds me of most actually is uh, Jesus's temptation in the wilderness. Three times, oh, yes. three we'll times the devil him. tempts him. Right. And the third yes. one, the third one, he takes him to the highest place and says, all this will be yours if you bow down to me. That's true. Yes. You That's, know? Uh, wow. That is a perfect analogy. Right. And I think really with what the and the thing is, is that functionally speaking, right, from a day to day experience, nothing would change for Leonidas if you were to do that. He's still in charge of his people. You know, he still can do what he's supposed to do. All he's doing is saying that, hey, by the way, I'm also have to pay fealty to this mortal, essentially. Right. Right. But also his people, too. Right. So so the idea is that um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's like it's. Like it's um, making yourself a slave to somebody else, right? That That's what Xerxes is really asking to. And that, that's what Leonidas is fighting against. He's not going to be a slave to no man. He's going to be a free man. There are free men here, right? That was yes. his mentality, right? Yes. And from our perspective, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, right? Yes. And, you know, we have 2,000 years of church history that kind of exemplify that because, you know, in ancient Roman culture, when Christianity first arrived, it, the same thing. It wasn't that they were, you know, um, asking them to stop worshiping Jesus. They were fine with that. Just give your pinch of incense to Caesar and you're good to go. But what was so dangerous is that they had the freeman mentality saying, you know what, Christ is king. Christ is king, not Caesar. Yes, definitely. And it was, that's what made it so dangerous. That's why all the persecution was. It wasn't the fact that a hey, Jesus is there, we're worshiping him, and we're, but we're also paying fealty to these other folks here. It's, just, it's no, he is above. He's not like this, he's above. And so that's what it is. Right. And what happened to Rome? <laughs> well, you know, it, it is interesting what happens at the end because you know, you really can go into it I, um, on Amazon prime right now. They have Francis Schaefer's how then shall we live? Right. It's how, however, whatever it's called. But anyway, right. he, the first episodes about the Roman empire, you know, Constantine does uh, decriminalize Christianity after a couple hundred years of it. But um, you know, it uh, doesn't go well. Right. The, but the kingdom mm. of God moves on. Yes. So, yes. Well, you know, kind of that part of, yeah. Um, that saying reminds me of the time that they tried to force Paul. I think it was in the book of Acts. Yeah. And uh, one of the Pharisees says, look, man, if this is not of God, then it'll fade away. But if it is, you know, then nothing we can do about it anyways. You know, if it's of God, then God's going to 
make it come to fruition, you know, and as we know, it just grew and grew and grew and grew, you know, even through the suffering, you know, but um, I think that, you know, this battle, he knew, I think he knew that it was not a winning thing, you know, but because of their mentality, right. Uh, that they are bred. Uh, we got to see the origin of Leonidas. Right, right. And uh, that they are bred warriors from the very beginning. Right. And so, which pa- made me pause to think, why are there some that are just politicians? You know? Hmm. I mean, the king was a warrior. Sure. You know, and there were lots and lots and lots of warriors. And he just took 300 of his closest friends on a walk. Right. Yep. You know, you know, so and their mentality uh, was basically to fight as a group that they fought together with the shield. If you remember the part with the... uh, deformed character yeah if Adelise that was Adelise. yes that uh yeah he wouldn't have really if they were to his mother and father would have stayed in sparta he wouldn't be alive that's true you know yeah. and even though his heart was mm-hmm. to be he wanted to be part of the spartan army when leonidas asked him to raise a shield and he couldn't he said, well, you know, I can't use you, you know? Yep. So uh, maybe Leonidas could have handled that in a better way and he wouldn't have been, uh, you know, betrayed. But that is actually, that actually happened in the real battle too. Right. Yeah. I, I. But I don't I, know if it was a deformed guy, you know? Well, I think the interesting thing about that, because you're right, obviously that ends up being the, the uh, uh, it, it's because of Leonidas' rejection of um, Fidelis. Uh, it is, um, if he wouldn't have done that, he probably wouldn't have gone to Xerxes and Xerxes wouldn't have promised him everything and then he probably wouldn't have sold them out. It's possible. At the same time, uh, if you'll remember during the battle when they launch those arrows, Right in, in yes. the sky, and they they blacken the sky with the arrows, literally, and um, you know all the Spartans had to to put up their shields just like that. So, at the same time, if he let him be a part of that, you know what would have happened. And the other part is that Leonidas is absolutely right that the thing that makes the phalanx so strong which is the battle formation that they were in is that every man every every man's shield is protecting the man to his left and so if you don't have that then you have one weak point there that's where the other army's going to get in so he was absolutely right now the only thing i could see that him getting out of that was be making him do something a little bit more heroic than to tend to wound wounded or whatever that he told him to do if he had like a special mission for him that might have been something 
Um, in fact, maybe, you know, sending him to Xerxes to give him false information. That might have been something that uh, would have been better, but I don't know. Yes. Well, you know, yes, there are a lot of uh, possibilities there, but it wouldn't be. Uh, since it really happened that there was a betrayer. Right. I believe that that made the story interesting for uh, yeah. that Frank Miller added that into sure. his part of the story. Right. Now, uh, I saw the 300 Spartans a long, long, long time ago. Okay. And I, I cannot tell you, I do not remember a whole lot about that. I think I would like to see it again. Yeah. Uh, just to compare. Uh, compare. Yeah. Uh, now that was dur done during the time of like, uh, when cinematography and cinemascope, it would it would be a lot like the Conan the Barbarian movie. Mm -hmm. It would be quite similar to that. There were a lot of epic movies that they did in that vein yep, yep. back then. And uh, it really made going to the movies a great experience, you know? Mm -hmm. um, this movie, I did not see in the movie theater. Right. I had purchased it on DVD when it came out mm -hmm. uh, because again, your mother would not go to the movie theater to see this. I can promise you that. Yeah. Although Tracy kind of quite liked the movie. So yeah. yeah. Well, it was good. Yeah. Uh, let's face it. It was, uh, I think that it depicted a time. Uh, it was, I think true to that time period maybe uh, I don't know. well every it, it, it got it there, there were some folks that were uh, painting its historical inaccuracies so right like, whatever but know? it's a comic it's he was being accurate to the comic not accurate i to see what the, you're saying yeah that actual story i gotcha okay right no, that's fair. zach that's Snyder's fair. whole thing was that he was going to be yeah accurate. Which, that's why he took the pictures which, you know, I, I do think that for, from that perspective, he's very faithful. Probably, probably one of the most faithful uh, adaptations to, uh, to a graphic novel that I've seen. Right. Which, and so, I mean, can you just imagine looking at the comic book and say, wow, yeah, I've got to have this picture here. Right. You know, and he, you know, just took a shot right out of the comic book. Right. And he would say, oh, well, I got to have this. Okay, right. so how do we get from here to here, you know, and he makes his story go from that way. And that's where his part of the writing, I think, went into. And I think that's why he had Frank as a consultant mm -hmm. so that he could, you know, kick these things off. Because, I mean, let's face it, uh, Frank Miller is a incredible writer. Yeah, I agree. You One know. of the best. Yeah. And he actually, in this comic, he actually uh, was drawer in the comic, too. He was yeah. the artist. Well, he, he did that uh, with Daredevil as well. He was writing and drawing. And then he also wrote The Dark Knight Returns and drew it as well. So he, he's done a number of the where he's illustrating and writing. But I do think that he's a better writer. Um, than an illustrator. That, right. But, I mean, his his art style is really cool. I like it. I mean, you know, that, that uh, cover for the first uh, Dark Knight Returns with, uh, you know, old Batman. It looks awesome. I mean, I, yeah. I love it, you know, yeah, it's but, pretty but, cool. it but is. I do, I do like it when he partners with other amazing artists, like, you know, the 
uh, the aforementioned Daredevil Man Without Fear, John Romita. I mean, so good. I mean, I love, I love. Yes. Yeah, it's so good. And the Spawn Batman that he did with Todd McFarlane. I think. Yeah. I, I, you know, after we talked last week, I wanted to uh, look that up. And after we uh, got off, I got onto another tangent and I forgot all about it. But now mm-hmm. that we're talking again, as yeah. soon as we get off, I'm going to look at it up again and see yeah. what it's. Because uh, I think I'd like to, you know, just check it out and see what it is. I'm not going to spend a whole lot for it, but, sure. you know, if I can pick it up relatively inexpensive, I'll probably get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just something to have, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so back to the story. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I yeah. got off a little bit on there. Well, I mean, the, the story itself actually is extremely straightforward you have 300 spartan men trying to fight off the persian army you know and 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 you know they do a valiant job of doing it and um it's one of the few movies where the hero dies um and is not coming back you know which is um you know i i i think it it was really good you know from from that perspective that you know he, he has a heroic death and that is something else that you know, I think we talked about that a little bit with Guardians 2 about, you know, um, dying with honor, which, you know, certainly he did. And, um, you know, trying to think about how uh, Delios would have felt that, you know, he couldn't have that honorable death there. He had to come back. Somebody had to come back to tell the story. Right. So. Right. And then uh, to attack the Persian army again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with with much more soldiers and you know that that being a rallying cry for the other uh greeks and spartans uh to fight against the the persians right and according to the historical uh tellings of it yeah uh it was like two years later yes that's right you know so we really don't get that in this story but right dilios is telling the story right you know and uh the narrative is really good in mm-hmm. this movie. Yep. It's you get a picture before you get a picture. Right. And, and the nice thing about it is that like, it's not overly complicated. Sometimes movies can get too complicated and like, it's hard to, to keep up with things And this one, because the story is so simple. I think it's more effective that way. Like I, I would, I would, contrast that with a movie like dick tracy where you know the story should have been much more simpler in that film and i think i would have enjoyed it much more but there were so many things going on that they were cramming into one film that you know for me it was hard to kind of keep up you know right and uh which in the earlier days i had told you there there were actually three or four dick tracy serials right and then there was a TV show and there were like, I'm going to say four or five movies right. on top of all that right. to sell the story. Because it's a continuing story. He's a, right. a police officer, you know, every day is another story, you right. know? Right, right, and So I, I didn't did... have to pan it all in one. I right, agree. No, that's true. So I do think that we need to mention that there is... Uh, a mutant amongst the uh, the 300, right? Did you notice that? Uh, oh, you mean uh, a person that plays a mutant that 
was in the movie. Yes, yes. Stelios is uh, played by Michael Fassbender, who, you know, is also Magneto in the uh, younger, younger Magneto, I should say. Yes. In the uh, next series of X-Men when we get to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, that's true. There is a mutant there, yeah. although he's not playing a mutant. No, no. No, it's uh we are actually your mom and I are watching Mutant X right now, which was a 2000 Canadian series. Okay. Uh that was uh uh because of Sony having the rights to X-Men. This was not allowed to be called a Marvel thing, although hmm. Stanley and some of the people from Marvel were consultants on it. And RV Aved uh, had was a con it was his concept, and there was actually a lot of problems with Sony. They had to actually shut it down after three seasons because of mm -hmm. the issue with it being similar to X Men. Okay, you know, although there is Mutant X comics, you mm -hmm. know, and okay. but I guess because Sony had the rights, and uh, they didn't want to do it, I guess, but. Anyways, so we are watching that show and your mother sees actors and actresses on there from shows that we watch yeah. and she like can name them all the time. But mm. if I tell her, oh yeah, this one uh, was, yeah, he's in my, uh, he was in the Arrowverse. Oh, really? Which one? You know, it's like, come on, you know, mm. really, ma? Mm. You know? Yeah. But Anyways, it's good. Yes, we had to mention that. Yeah. So I'm glad you did. What did you think about the prosthetics in this and the different, uh, what do you want to call them? The different militaries. There was the immortals. There right. Were, you know, yeah, all these I thought, different yeah. groups. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I would think that probably not the most historically accurate things, but. I think it serves the story well because you had the idea about how the Persians, you know, conquered. It wasn't like a um, assimilation conquering, right? Right. It was, it was, you know, okay. You know, I, I could just assume that the immortals, they're somewhere from East Asia. And it's like, okay, you can keep all that stuff. You know, that you're still the warlord over in East Asia, but you got to send your soldiers to me, you know, for my army. And that's, that's how we got them, you know? You know, and obviously, you know, the, the uh, war elephants and the rhinos and everything. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool, you know. Oh, yeah, it was definitely interesting. And um, the CG effects were done real well for the time yeah. of this movie. I, I still think it ages well. We saw it on Blu-ray last night or the night before. And, you know, it still looks good. It's, it doesn't look realistic at all. But that's not the point. It's supposed to look like a comic book. So it, it was a stylistic choice I think Zack Snyder made uh, to look more comic booky, even though it looks ridiculous. It's supposed to be ridiculous. It's a comic book, right? So exactly, exactly. Yeah. So and uh, you know the makeup and everything with all the beads sticking out yeah, of yeah. the face and the nose and the yeah, yeah. I'm sure that everybody would want that. You know. It was kind of, it was off the wall. And um, I just thought, all right, okay, we'll get through. Let's go to the next group. I can't wait to see what's coming yeah. next. You know, who's coming next? Oh, it was almost 
like a Lord of the Rings thing. Sure. Yeah. And a very similar type. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, the graphics and the CG where they had all the armies together mm-hmm. and the little groups on the beach. Yep. And, uh, you know, they thought, oh, with all those ships crashing into the reef, oh, good, we put a big dent in them. Yeah. Nope. Right. Of course, historically, uh, uh, Leonidas and the 300 or at 7,000 really as started out supposedly were the land battle. And then there was also a sea battle, Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, they believed that if they were to attack on both fronts, that they would be successful. And when Leonidas and them failed the sea battle, the general that was running that or leader uh, he backed off until two years later, right? When they got everybody more than the uh, three hundred, I guess we can call it, mm-hmm. because in the end of the historical events, it was three hundred left, right? You know, before they all went down. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the character of Xerxes. How did you? Yeah, I, I mean, I get, I, I don't know. It was kind of a little off the wall for me. But. Well, I, like, like I said, I think it was just, you know, you, you're, it, we're, we're looking at the imagination of Frank Miller, what, what, a, what a Xerxes would look like, what a villain, a villainous Xerxes looks like, a god king, um, you know, so, someone who has that, that kind of mentality, you know, what would they look like, what kind of jewelry would they have? So I, I don't, I mean, obviously we're looking at that particular style. So, right. And which to me, the throne, mm-hmm. um, I could see that as being uh, probably a good depiction sure. of what a king's throne would be back in those days. Yeah. Because, I mean, when we read in the Bible about Solomon and his throne, sure. You know, he had lions. Right. You know, and gold. I mean, yeah. I just don't know if he had a hundred slaves that it's able to carry it around yeah, for him. You yeah, know, yeah. But you never know. I mean, it could have been that way. You never know. Right, right. Uh, because Solomon was in a time of peace, he didn't really have to go to war. So mm-hmm. who knows? Sure. Uh, but anything else that you want to talk about? Other well, than, you know, this thing was successful, and Frank Miller did a uh, another comic uh, that was the prequel right, to right. this 300. Right. But he didn't do that until 2014. Right. So I wonder what uh, got him to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he wanted to tell the story about the C part of it. I guess. I don't Maybe. Know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I think that the big thing is just, you know, um, the whole issue, the whole concept of freedom versus slavery is the thing. I, th- I think the big theme for, for me, that's the big thing I took away from it. Like, you know, we talked about just before 
hitting the record button, how um, the, the movie hit us a different way than we first watched it. Um, that's correct. Yes. And to me, that's really the, the theme. I mean, are you going to fight? Uh, are you going to um, allow yourself to become a slave to someone or are you going to be a free man? And what, what sometimes to do that, it might cost you your life, but um, if it means that your family uh, stays free, then um, it's worth the cost or you have to count the cost at least of what that's going to look like. Um you know, from my perspective, I think that's, that's the big thing. And, um, you know, for, and there, there's this, it's this, there's this play of that. There's this authority and submission at the same time. So, you know, Leonidas has the authority of a king, but then he also serves his people by going to war and sacrificing his life for their freedom. You know, there's that interplay there. Yes, and the 300 that were with him right. uh, were there uh, because they were loyal to him. Right. And they, you know, it uh, was an unconditional uh, loyalty mm-hmm. yeah. that uh, if our king says this is what we need to do, yeah. this is what we need to do. And I thought it was interesting the way that they had the part that the only people that were with him, the only soldiers that were with him were soldiers that had a son that yes. was left behind so right. that they would not, their name would not be erased. Yeah. Except for yeah. Uh, Astinos and uh, his son, they were, that was there with them. Right. Well, yes, but he said, right. He has other sons. He had other sons. Right. So, which in the comic, there wasn't a whole lot uh, made of that until his death. Right. In the comic, uh, you had these other interactions with this son, but, mm-hmm. you know, not so much in the book. But right. Right. Uh, there were a few things that were added on, but sure. it was good. Definitely. Yes, I felt the same way that it was definitely a... a uh, movie about not being submissive uh, to uh, something that wasn't true to your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, because they attempted to make Xerxes and everything that he looked when, uh, you know, he had all this sin and stuff going on inside of Mm-hmm. You know, there was this orgy and right. everything going on. Not the best of things that you would want yourself to be involved with. No. And um, I think they betrayed that image to almost, it was definitely like a good against evil. Oh, certainly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, freedom against being submissive to the evil part. Yeah. Yeah, although yeah. at the same time, this is also the, the the good guys, quote unquote, were also the guys that were if the if you know a baby was born deformed, they threw him off a cliff. So I mean, <laughs> that's you know, true. That is know, true. There's definitely degrees of of good and evil here as well. You know, definitely got to put that out there. But that's yeah. the thing. At, at the end of the day, you know, um, men should be free. You know, and, and the funny thing is, for us, exactly as Christians. It's like we, we get that, that freedom in Christ, 
But then at the same time, it becomes, at this, at, you know, the way we get that freedom is becoming slaves to Christ. That is correct. You know, yes. so, it, it, you know, again, there's this, uh, it's almost like a paradox, a paradoxical thing where, you know, as you submit to Christ, you find true freedom, which is very counterintuitive. But that that's really what it boils down to. And, and that's why for us as believers, we should feel like free men and we should act as free men, you know. Um, that's something we need to think about, especially the times we live in today. That's true. Actually, in church today, we were talking about counting the cost. Yep. You know, because in his word, you know, Jesus said, hey, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to, you know, forget about your mother and father, forget about your kids. You know, I come first, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, by accepting him, and being subservient servient to our Father in Jesus Christ, we have our family, and we have they're all blessings. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that it just kind of grows and grows. Uh, you know, you think about originally it was my mother, right, and my brother and my sister and myself. Mm-hmm. And then I got married to your mother, right? And we had three children, and then you had three children, right? And the family just is expounding and growing more and more. And the more that we uh, share our faith and share our beliefs, the family grows more and more, right? And uh, it is the same thing with you know your mom's brothers and sisters sure and how those families have grown and they're still they're all a part of our family mm-hmm. you know yeah. and the same thing with my sisters and my brother's children and their children mm-hmm. i mean wow i mean if we were to get together all of us every one of us we could probably take one of the bahama islands and uh, yeah. rent it all out you know sure. possibly yeah you know but it, it's because we true, we stay true to our beliefs and we stay strong and try to, uh, you know, stay faithful, mm-hmm. you know, don't always succeed at that, but we do have help always. Yep. So I just thought that was kind of interesting that mm-hmm. he did all that. Uh, in order to keep his people free. Right. And make sure that there was somebody to carry on that name. Yep. For So definitely interesting. Yep. Okay. Well, anything else you want to talk about? I mean, we could talk a little bit about uh, Queen Gorgo. Um you know, it very it's very different. I, I you know you mentioned it's very in, in passing about how uh, how the uh, emissary from Xerxes insults her, right? Yeah, and I do think it that might have been a cultural difference, right? Because obviously Persian culture, or ancient per- Persian culture, might have treated women a little bit different than Spartan women, right? So I think that something to do with it. But you know, her arc of you know. To me, like, you know, 
as the emissary is trying to offer, you know, uh, peace through submission, you know, Leonidas looks towards his wife and she kind of just gives him a look like saying, hey, get rid of this joker. Who do you, th- who do you think he is? I-, I thought that was really cool as, um, you know, uh, w- what you look for in a wife, you know, yeah, someone who's going to encourage you, remember, you know, remind you of who you are. And, you know, um, she, she feels the, she feels Leonidas's protection enough for her to not also have that slave mentality, you know? That's true. And also the depiction of her later on yeah. uh, to standing behind her husband right. and willing to go to talk to the governing, right. you know, to the council. Right. To, uh, and all of the rigmarole role that she has to the hoops that she has to go through let's right. say right uh in order to achieve the goal that she wants to achieve yeah yeah it, it, you know obviously she does compromise herself you know sexually with uh, the councilman and um you know i definitely think that that is something that she didn't have to do obviously and we know that it didn't work anyway because he was just going to be the slimy politician yes. that he is and but when she goes and, and uh, finally uh, kills him, um, you know, that was a very satisfying conclusion, I think, to, to that part of the story. Right, because he was just using her. Right, and, you know, it, it's revealed in a very artistic way of his treachery because as he, as the, the blade plunges through him, the sack of gold coins with Xerxes' face on it, you know, spills out. Which, yes. You know, it, it's like, oh, he... You know, he was in league with uh, the Persians all along. So. Yeah, yeah. We got to find that out. Yeah. And it would, yeah. I, I think if 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 he didn't betray her like that, um, she wouldn't have gotten mad enough to, to, do, to kill him, and then that wouldn't have been revealed. Right. Right. But uh, it became justifiable at that point. Shoot, yeah. You killed a traitor. Yeah. Yeah, so... And which also would tend to lead to the story that that's why the rest of the army. Right. You know, exactly. She got her uh, point across, right. I'm going to say, in a da-dum-bump yeah. way. Right. You know, and uh, that's how they, we got to the point of Dilios telling the story in front of the army of, Hundreds of thousands or whatever there were. Yep. You know, that's right. So, yes. And again, a lot of that was not, none of that was actually in the original comic book. Right. So um, that was, I guess, a good subplot. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I do also want to mention that the very final part of the battle where Leonardus takes the spear and he throws it and it just grazes Xerxes face. Right. Right. And, you know, makes them bleed. So gods don't bleed. Right. Yes, exactly. I should say, I should say men who claim their gods don't bleed. I should say. There you go. Uh, Cause you know, obviously our savior definitely bled for us. Um, yes. When he was but, human. And he was willing. That's the other part. Right. He willingly did that versus Xerxes who was not, you know, no. Right. So he, I think that's the other interesting thing. Like I always remember the, um, what, what movie was that? Uh, predator where you know arnold's like if it bleeds it can die you know whatever so <laughs> so uh very good well you know we uh have the opportunity 
sooner or later to do Alien versus mm. Predator because mm-hmm. that was definitely a comic book. Yeah, I know. Yes. I, I know it's probably not on your list of movies that you'll want to do, but the first story was really pretty good. I liked the first movie. Sure. Uh, like the original Alien movie, the second one was more just a bunch of aliens and stuff jumping around. So not as scary as the first one. It, it It's different. It, it, it's, it's, you know, when the alien movies, which probably shouldn't get into right now because we're trying to wrap this up, but you yes. know, it's totally different. You know, it, it's, it's, not, I, I, I would, I don't know. It's different. It, it's we'll good, talk about it's good, it at different. another time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. Or we can talk about it. Yeah. I'll have to twist your arm maybe. Yeah. Okay. So we covered the queen. We covered the king. We covered the battle. We covered the enemy. We covered the uh, council. Yep. We covered just about everything, I think. Sure. Yep. I'm, I'm all done. I'm, I've, got, I've said everything I needed to say. Well, that's good. Good. All right. Uh, the only thing left then would be the rating. Sure. Yep. Okay. And then, would you like me to go first or? It's up to you. Uh, okay. Well, <clears throat> I thought it was excellent. And because he stayed true, Zack Snyder stayed true to the comic, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. I yeah. know it might seem a little high, but I did like it. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say eight and a half, you know, almost nine, because it's very similar reasons. I think the other thing, I think this is a this is a better story for us today than it was in two thousand and six. We live we live in a much different world. And um, like you said, we need to count the cost. You know, are we going to be free men or are we going to be slaves? And you know, are we going to what's it going to cost us? And um you know, what are we, uh, what kind of a world are we leaving for our children? Right. So, right. Because that is, uh, really our, uh, job. I remember, uh, one of our messages at Calvary Chapel when we were in Fort Lauderdale was the legacy. Mm-hmm. What kind of legacy are we leaving? Yep. Um, what are we doing with the dash? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, cool. I agree with that totally. Cool. All right. So let's um let's close it up there. I guess we can do yeah. Let's go ahead and do Sin City next week if you're cool with that. The first Sin City. Yeah, we're not doing. Yeah, I'm not going to do the sequels at this point. I just want right. to stick to the the first ones. Right. That's the most important ones. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Sounds great to me. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us for another episode. Please visit us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, drop us a like. And if you have any feedback, go ahead and send us messages that way. Or you can email us at popscollectionpodcast at gmail.com. So see you next week with Sin City. Goodbye and God bless. Goodbye. God bless. And tell your friends. <laughs>